What's up, guys? This is the It Ain't Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Charanson. Let's get it. Today, we're here with Justice Osai, who's the owner and operator of Cornerstone Security. Justice, what's up, man? What's going on? What's going on, man? Wagwan, my man. Yeah. So I've known Justice for a while now. We're good friends, uh, former roommates, you know, and uh, that's for another podcast, the amount of like stories and experiences we had in that house. I can't remember the name of the address. 512, man. Come on. Act like you know. The 512 was a University Boulevard? Yeah. Something like that. Dalhousie. Dalhousie. UBC alumni. Um, So we know... Okay, obviously, we know you run a security company now, right? I do. And I multifaceted, do. a lot of operations. Never a time where this guy isn't on his phone. We could be out, you know, yeah, having a good time and have to <laughs> peace out out of nowhere for the next, like, three hours. Sorry I had to dip, but... Always you know, on call, man. I got, a, I got a million things on the go, and you never know when something's going to pop off. Um, but aside from that, what we don't know is who you are and where you came from. So right. like to start it off, like kind of what was elementary school justice like and kind of that journey all the way to like collegiate justice? Who were you? What were your hobbies? Man, how long is this show? Like, <laughs> damn. Uh, we got about uh, an hour. Elementary school, elementary school justice. Okay, well, I mean, in elementary school, I, I would say I was, I was, I mean, I'm the youngest of four, four kids, right? So... I always had older brothers. My oldest brother is about 13 uh, old years older than me, right? So mm-hmm. he was more like my dad figure, right? Single gotcha. household. So elementary school justice was really, really um, had a lot of deep questions, mm-hmm. but nobody answered them. So mm-hmm. I guess it was more just um, very curious, very um, confused a lot of the time, and very scared, like just uncertain of myself just because, you know, no nobody really, um, I've always been a bigger guy. Yep. Um, but nobody to really show me how to, you know, use all that properly, right? Because right. my brother's always doing the thing, running, running around doing their things, right? And my mom was working three jobs. So mm-hmm. <laughs> elementary school justice was a curious kid, deep questions. Um, always wanted to really, um, I always had a burning passion for um, why businesses choose to work with each other. Okay. Um, I was always curious about making money we didn't have a lot growing up mm-hmm. so you know when when there was times where lights would cut out or where the hot water stopped working yeah then it's just like well you know why where where do we have to go to make that not happen never happen again <laughs> yeah I man feel you. Yep. so you know i mean and then fast forward to you know when we're, we're that mba never broke again shit yeah <laughs> then we start in uh in in college there right so yeah but yeah, man, elementary school justice was, I had a lot of curiosity. Um, I, I had a, the main thing that I learned early was be valuable, be helpful, be be present, like mm-hmm. be allowed to, you know, give a helping hand, right? So, yeah. um, you know, from where that kind of morphed uh, was, you know, trying to figure out an outlet that worked for me. Yeah. Um, I haven't really been... <laughs> I mean, at the time of this podcast, um, I, I have a ruptured patella tendon. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that says anything, I'm, I'm not really the, the star athlete <laughs> that uh, you know, once used to that be. once was. Yeah, you know, in, in my neck of the woods. But at the same time, it's just like it's one thing that's that's always been. Um, I love athletics because it, it, it you leave you leave it all on the field. Mm-hmm. People notice, right? People, when, it, when did you start playing? 
Man, I, I started I started when I was 13. Okay. Yeah. So and where, where were you at the time, like elementary school? Where was this? It was eighth grade, St. Raymond Catholic Elementary School. And it was, what's, what's it was the summer in Mississauga, Ontario. Mississauga. Mississauga, Ontario. Oh. And I was I was eating all the candy, all the McCain's cakes and all that kind of stuff. And just playing StarCraft. Yeah. And when I told my brother what I was doing, my brother just came out here to SFU on a scholarship, hmm. a football scholarship in 98, 2000, uh, year 2000 kind of thing. Yep. And so I was there, there and I told him what I was doing in my summer. And he almost flew down to kill me because <laughs> he was like, man, if you don't get your big ass off a couch and start doing something with yourself, yeah. then we're going to have some problems, right? Mm -hmm. So he forced me into playing football. And big that brother, first, father. Yeah, yeah. man. So he, he, he tough loved me into it. And then, you know, I kind of yeah. just jumped into it. I didn't know what I was doing. They stuck me in uh, on the O-line. Yeah. And I was just holding everybody right? yeah, yeah. so hey that's one way to that's, start that's how you start right so yeah. you know i just kind of jumped into sports that way and then just started learning the the principles of positive foundations from there mm -hmm. you know i had some really good coaches growing up um you know some really good guys that that really uh, mentored me and showed me just simple principles of of football but then that translate into life like yeah one of the earliest ones you can't focus on too many things you got Maybe two, maybe three focuses at one time, but that's about it. Can't do too much things at one time. You yeah. Know what I mean? So was was there ever a point like when you were playing at the high school level, your brother's playing collegiate, or maybe he's just finishing up, and you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to go do the same thing that he's doing." Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually what brought me here, um, to be honest, because I was, you know, I hated football when I first started. I was 13. Yeah. And then you know the I. He said, okay, fine. If you don't like it, at least you tried it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you just You gave it one shot. You didn't like it, move on, right? Yep. Next year, you know, the, it was the, that was in the summertime. High, so high school, first year high school, ninth grade, didn't even play. And then the summer came along, and all my friends were getting girls, and all my friends were, like, you know, going out and playing sports and all that stuff, and I felt left out because I was yeah. playing Starcraft and eating candy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I jumped on another sports team and then I started playing football again. Mm -hmm. And then I loved it because, you know, I started learning a little bit more of the rules, doing a little bit more stuff. And then... It's greater sense of community, too, at a high, different better, age group, right? Like when you're 13, it's still very individual. Your parents are taking you everywhere. Yeah. You get to, like, that middle school, high school era, and now you're, like, somebody because you're on the team. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing. Like, belonging. one thing I'm always going to, like... The, the OVFL, like the Ontario Varsity Football League um, football you know program there, yeah. they have a really good youth sports program, and mm -hmm. they, they're really good at um, developing you know young men and women into like athletes, right? Right. And like the sense of community that they have, like all of our, our people that were, you know, the coaches or the, the supporters or that brought the barbecues out to, to the games and stuff. Those are all the parents and stuff, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, if, if we if the parents didn't do it and the parents didn't drive people home and stuff, we didn't have anything, right? So mm -hmm. they had a really good community over there. And um, it, it allowed me to just, like, dive in. Like, I was 14 now, and they were like, 
they welcomed me back. It wasn't like, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, can you play? <laughs> right? And then I ended up playing with some really cool, awesome people. Yeah. People that you've ended up playing with in, in the next level even, right? So mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, there's some, there was some real talents that came out of that um, area. And um, it, the community that, that, was, that was brought up there, it was really cool. It was really cool to, to grow up in that area. Yeah, I think we're getting to a point like where uh, our our past kind of intersect at some point, right? Um, was it like Paul Orzetti or um, somebody at UBC, like a Sean Olson, that like came to Ontario and was like, "Hey, I'm looking at this guy right now." Like, <laughs> how, how did how did you end up like West Coast and West Coast because of your brother, right? Yeah, I, he's at SFU. So. Yeah, I I honestly give everything. The, the reason why I'm here, I heard about this place and everything, mm -hmm. just goes to my older brother, man. Like he yeah. he's always like been the first the first soldier out to take all the hits, yeah. and then show us all. Okay, this is what you don't do. Yeah. This is what you got to do. Right. He's so, really taking on that role. Really, like ten toes freaking down. Yeah. Right. So it's like Respect. I was 16 years old. And he brought me out here on. Um, he brought me and my one of my older siblings out, just just on a reading break. Like we had, a, he had his reading break, and you know, in, in in high school you have your your little Christmas break or whatever. Yeah. He brought me and him out, and just showed us around Vancouver. And when I realized, like, I'm, it's like December and we're in shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is. This is where I'm going to stay at, right? And then I came back again in the summertime. And then I saw the symphony of lights and all that fire, fireworks and stuff. And I was like, I love this city, man. Like, he, yeah. he drove us around. Like, he pressed it upon us. They're like, yo, this is a this is a place that, that's the very, very diverse. It's like, there's a lot of opportunity. People out here have great ideas. It yeah. was just like, it's a hotbed for people that just want to get stuff done. Right? Correct. And it doesn't matter whether they have the resources or they don't have the resources. It's just effort. Effort-based. I've know? always thought that was a differentiator between, like, the guys I know, just specifically from the team or, like, playing that are out from out of province. Mm -hmm. Like, they come here with a completely different mindset. There's so much complacency in being from a utopia where you can yeah. ski and you can swim and you can hike every weekend. You take it for and, granted. You know, you're wearing shorts in December. Yeah. Right? So, you, so you get into, like, the corporate environment or, like, just, like, the working culture that you need to be in to thrive. And, mm -hmm. you know, why am I working so hard? Where if you come here from anywhere else you know why you're working hard so yeah you, you don't have to ever, you don't want to go, go back, back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> there's not much to go back to right so yeah. it's like yeah I'm, I'm working hard right so man like that's that's kind of where the the intersection happens like you know he got me onto um there's there was these camps called ron diaz like oh this guy named yep. ron diaz remember the camps he brought one. me to those camps, right? Okay, yeah. Because when he was a kid, Man. he used to go to those camps, my brother, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, he brought me, he introduced me to Ron Dye's camp. And I think that's where I saw, that That might have been where I met um, uh, or is Coach it? Coach Coach Gavaya. Gavaya, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I met Coach Gavaya. He didn't look at me, like, when I did the camp, I mean, I wasn't, I would. I never tested well. Yeah. Right. So I didn't. I wasn't like benching through the roof. I didn't run really fast or any of that stuff. I had a good like L drill, mm -hmm. and I had a good uh, T uh, T time. Yeah. Right. Which is probably the most practical on the D line. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. So yeah. I'm a D lineman through and through. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So it's like, you know, he he shrugged his shoulders. He's like, okay, like you know, what are your grades like? Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to shut my mouth, right? Because, like, I was not a good student. Like, I never really... I love learning. Um, I love mm-hmm. reading, love learning about new stuff. I love applying what I know to what could potentially be. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sitting in a school and, like, or sitting in class and stuff, I hated it. I think it's a lot to do with the courses you're forced to learn. Too, yeah, right? that's that's it, too, right? Like, yeah. they, they, they force you to learn all these kind of like classes and stuff. that you may never use again exactly mm-hmm. right um you know so i always stuck to the, the practical stuff like even drama because it, it taught me to be able to work on think on your feet you know what i mean like improv and that sort of thing yeah um i, I liked the weightlifting because it taught you how to get big and take care of your body and your health and all that stuff mm-hmm. so it's like i like that kind of stuff just because it allowed us to like really apply life skills um, you know, vectors and all that kind of stuff. I, <laughs> I can't use that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, going, going back into, uh, you know, going back into it, like with, with that kind of stuff, I was just never really, um, the best at that. So when I went to the camp and everything, I tested, I placed my, you know, I placed my name in the hat and I didn't really get a call back from anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from that point from basically from from 14 until I graduated like graduated uh, high school school. um, I was doing two seasons a year of football Mm. right because it was always basically um, your your high school student like your high school season Mm -hmm. in September to December or whatever and then there'd be two months off and then you'd start training camp for uh, for the OVFL Mm. Right. And so, you know, my brother basically said, yo, <laughs> you got a lot of time. You got a lot. This. You got a lot of time to get this done. But yeah. you're not gifted like that. Like my brother's a monster. Right. Yeah. So he was always the guy like, you know, he played football in Austria and it, that yeah. kind of stuff. You just get up and lift the entire weight room and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But for for me, it was a little bit more of a, ch- a challenge and I had to get up to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for him, he was like, well, if you're not going to. If you don't have that talent already, then you're just going to outwork people. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, that's kind of where the, 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 the principle of perseverance yeah. kind of um, was, was tattooed onto my, my brain. Well, and I think the greatest part about football is exactly that. Yeah. And, and people take it for granted. But, like, that's the value that you're going to carry with you off the field. Absolutely. Right? And I, I think, you know, that often gets neglected that, okay, like that perseverance, despite not being the guy, is what makes me successful in any environment. I can just light a fire under that. Yeah, you, know? y- you can work with that, whatever the hell you decide to, to, to go and pursue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm 14. I jumped back into to OVFL, so I came back in the summertime of, like, I guess the summer of, uh, uh, of when I was 14 years old. So mm-hmm. I f- finished that, um, jumped into OVFL, and then jumped right into high school football. You know, I was I was starting to do some technical work with my my brother when he come back, mm-hmm. and I started to just learn more technique, technique, technique. Well, that's a that's a powerful combo because you're getting volume on the field. Mm-hmm. You got two different leagues within the year, and then you got your brother coming back from like 
at the time, I think it's still U Sport, right? Mm-hmm. And like he's at a high level. They're one of the best teams in U Sport, and he's a starting D lineman or yeah. D lineman on the team. Don't go. Cool. I get, think they were NAIA at that time too. So okay. they're they're competing against like um, you know American schools, and good stuff. quality American schools, yeah. right? And so you're you're getting the business, and like guaranteed, the work you're getting from your brother is like probably tenfold what you're getting oh, from yeah. everybody else. Oh yeah, your own like age, right? A proper stance, a proper get off, mm-hmm. like all the you know where your hand placement is supposed to be, all that good stuff that they teach you on the line in the next level it's like you know i was getting it in high school yeah right so then it was just up to putting it up to to good use and everything mm-hmm. so you know one-on-ones and all that kind of stuff these used to be my favorite plays because i'd always just stunt and showcase yeah and it was always a good time right so you so know, fast forward to that like grade 12 year you're looking a little different now that grade 12 year was a was a monster <laughs> so so that grade 12 year um, switched schools, went to, um, I moved to, the family moved to Brampton. Okay. You know what I mean? So, you know, family moved to Brampton. Um, I'm in my grade 12 year, captain of the football team. Yes, yeah, sure, you know, we are all captains <laughs> in our yeah. football team and stuff like that. And, you know, I was, I was, I was stunting, right? Mm-hmm. Putting on clinics, just freaking, just being a technician. We had some awesome CFL coaches. One of them was an NFL uh, championship uh, defensive lineman. Cool. And he came and he taught me the dead leg, right? Mm. And the dead leg was just the, the move I just or the stutter step as as a lot of guys will call it now, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was just the, the move that I just like embodied and took it, right? Yeah. And he taught me that stuff, and it was just like I loved it. It was just it was just something I could do better than the other guys, and I, it, I got sacks, yeah. right? And so. That 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 level of um, I always translate sport into you know it it's a it's a confidence boost and it's an ego boost like every every young person should have like some kind of a confidence mechanism confidence booster right mm-hmm. if it's not sport it should be some kind of art or should be some kind of like achievement something yeah um, for me it was just it just happened to be sport it's the easiest one for me to identify with yeah and so man like when I get a sack or you know, run down kickoff and just smack a guy down and whatever. It was just like, I felt like I was untouchable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Started getting into superhero movies and comic books and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. So, yeah, man. Cool. Um, yeah, like tapping into kind of like where we intersect now is like I'm coming in my first year, I think, 2013? Right? Was that your first year? Might have been my first year. Wow. 2013. Yeah. Damn. So that's it? that's like your third, oh, my third year, third year, yeah. right? And the one thing I noticed in in like you know as a young guy that was, I was trying to be out, like I was trying to go out underage, you know, or not underage, but like just kind of right at the cusp, like that 18, 19, mm-hmm. and you know having a group that is predominantly older guys on the team, and I think. Um, I was fortunate to be one of those young guys that was playing. So I was yeah. like involved like earlier with like the older group of guys more so than the younger group of guys and spending like my schedule in accordance to theirs. So rather than hanging out with everybody in like Totem, I was hanging out with like an older group of guys in and these Fairview guys and jamming off over there. Yeah, like fast forward <laughs> to today, like a lot of these guys are my mentors and have done very well successfully. Like and I think it's attributable to the culture that like we had there. Uh, one of the things that stood out just on like an immature level of mine was like wherever we went out 
justice was the plug like juice was the plug whether like i remember being like my first night at the pit pub we went and there's just like you know probably a hundred kids in line like easily like on a yeah, wednesday, wednesday are you crazy wednesday at like oh, 6 yeah, p.m there'll be like a hundred people there and i'm just like damn like i guess i'm going home and then you know i show up one or two people and i'm walking away and i'd see a group of like the guys warren whoever they'd be like yo where are you going I'm like home guy there's a hundred people in line Showing me the hands, like, yeah, you know, just follow us, just follow, follow us. And then, boom, lo and behold, there's juice at the front, boom, boom, boom. It could be 20 of us, doesn't matter. Yeah, this, and you think that's like a campus plug, but that's like literally across the city. We go to the pint, <laughs> it's the same situation. And so, like, on top of this career, which is like education, you know, waking up 6 a.m. for workouts, there was this other side of you that yeah. was like the hustler of all hustlers in terms of like the security space and uh, whether that started you working kind of by yourself and then having people underneath you, there was always a, a side of like, hey, like I want to have a brand in all of these different spaces. And this is like, you know, an avenue where like, you know, I've realized at a very young age that I can really take over here. Um, when did that kind of transition or when did you even start thinking security? Dude, that's a great freaking question, man. Yeah. So, um, man, I think the branding question, you, you kind of actually, you know, we're, we're going to get to that too, because you know the branding question didn't really. I didn't. I didn't realize about the the idea of branding. Um, I didn't think about it as branding. I just thought about it as being being the best you can, mm -hmm. or or being useful. You know, if you can't if you can't be handy, just move to the side and get the get the professionals in to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And being the youngest of four, I'm not very handy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my older brothers will always just handle it for me. Yeah. But then at some point, yo, they're gone, right? So it's like, yo, you got to be handy. So, you know, for me, the brand was always just like, how can I be useful to the people that I care about and I want in my life? You know what I mean? So it's like, for, for me, it came down to, you know, um, when I came out here, didn't have, a, didn't have a job. But, you know, I knew that my brother was always in the same kind of industry. Like he was in the security field and... He ended up doing corrections and that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like he was always in that kind of protection field. Um, it wasn't until much later that I knew more about, like, my actual roots and heritage and West African culture and mm -hmm. stuff like that. that Which it, we it, have to tap into. There's a bigger picture here, yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So it's like, man, like, I just knew that um, protection and that sort of stuff um, resonated with me. I didn't want to see any of my siblings um, get affected in a... Or get attacked or anything like that or any of my people or my friends and stuff and so you know i had to really ask myself when i was like 19 like i was working when i moved over here get get the scholarship for for well i get i get into ubc let's let's say <laughs> right and um i start working in uh in the kitchen in um you know as a sir as a line cook right okay hadn't, hadn't worked as a line cook since i was 14 years where, old where was this joey's restaurant at Joey's, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now the, my first. I remember experience. there was a little Joey's plug. Yeah, was it man. Joey? No, it might have been. Uh, it might have been Joey and uh, and Connor Flynn. Because interestingly, like when I first showed up, that's something that you just. Yeah, I mean, was like that was the first the, job the offer guys, for me. That's it was Connor Flynn. Connor Flynn was the plug. Cool. And then he got um he got Joey, he got a few of the guys on. Yeah. At, at Joey's restaurant, and then yeah. like, shout out to Connor Flynn. Man. Yeah, man, Connor yeah. Flynn, man. Putting on for the right. guys. You know what I mean? First time they step in the door. And that's the other thing, right? Like, yeah. and, and, and that was the other thing that um, 
made me want to, you know, look after guys like you coming in. You know what I mean? Because, like, when I came in, I had guys like Nathan Kanya, Juan um, Mokalbrith, yeah. and, and those guys that would, like, take me out. Like, yeah. shut up. You're coming out. Put some good clothes on. Put a college shirt on. You know what I mean? I'm going to show you what this is. And they take me out, not to like embarrass me or anything, but yeah, they're like, yo, like we are, we're looking after each other. Spread your wings a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, be yourself. You know what I'm saying? And so for those guys, they they would, they would always take, go out of their way to take me out or include me in their, in their thing. So like, you know, it's kind of selfish if I couldn't do that to, to, for the youngins coming in, right? Uh. Now, you know, 19, I'm working in a kitchen and then Oamo's working at the pit, and he goes, or I guess I was, I guess I was nineteen at that point, just freshly turned. Mm-hmm. And you know that the first semester was, you know, something happened at the pit, so they were shut down. Mm-hmm. And then so I get put on the roster for the next semester, and then they're like, "Yo, okay, this is this is the security game, whatever, right?" Now before yeah. that, my brother used to run a few like you know underground parties here and there, and he just need some extra bodies and stuff to do some security mm-hmm. and he put me on in those right yeah um the fast-paced environment and all that stuff the excitement it was it was a lot for me to handle yeah but i didn't you know i didn't balk at it i was just like let's let's get it done right yeah and so from that that like little preliminary experience until into going into nightclubs and that sort of thing man the just the the value of just being um useful and then Another principle, which we can get to later, about knowing your city, those those were just like principles that allowed me to, to be able to pay that for to other guys, you know what I mean, so, mm-hmm. and be able to help that out. So that's that's kind of where I got into the foray of security because I was like, well, I would, I'd love to be able to be in a in a in a in a setting or in a position to be able to protect my loved ones. Mm-hmm. I also want to be in a position that. That I could also like, you know, um, add value just from being, <laughs> you know, just from being in a place at the right time, adding a, a piece of like, um, you know, a report or adding some some physical security asset to to a to a location just to protect something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or you know, knowing who to call, when to call them, providing peace of mind, right? And so you know, when I looked at just simple things like security, I was like, man, like this is this is really dope. This is like a cool industry, and not a whole lot of people are looking past the the mall cop or the the guy sitting at a bank sleeping. Yep. And I was like, well, <laughs> said sleeping. Yeah, sleeping guy, Cade, yo, you know. And I was like, okay, well, besides that little, you know. When you think of security, you don't necessarily, instead of thinking of it as like, yo, peace of mind, you know, this is a, an avenue to, to be able to protect others or to be able to have a safer environment for your for not only just your community and your loved ones, but in, in the bigger scheme of, of, of the world, really, yeah. um, you know, that you're living. It was, it was, it just seemed like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. And if I can, you know, for selfish reasons, if I could... Get into a place, not spend money, still enjoy the same kind of environment, and hang out with my buddies. Then it was just like a, it was a no-brainer. It was yeah. a win-win situation for everybody. Totally right. So you know that that's kind of what made me want to 
jump into the security industry. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, learning from guys like Oamo and those guys, like they, they also did that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, um, if one of the coaches at the time, um, uh, Coach Erdman, mm-hmm. he, his brother was uh, running a security company at the time. And so they needed people during the Olympics. And so my, my first year at UBC was the, the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. That's cool. Yeah. Super cool, right? right? Like 2010, yeah, right? Dope. Like uh, toward 2009, 2010 was Nature like my plug. first year. But, you know, September 2009 and then the Winter Olympics is in December. So I'm like, man, this yeah. is what a cool experience. They, they had us doing like all the transit security line stuff. Wow. They had us doing um, the, the beer houses and those kind of things and, yeah. and just those private parties. You saw all the craziness and stuff there. I got to know breakdown into like writing reports, into doing uh, yeah. missing persons files, into doing like different, different kinds of security. There's no better way to learn, really. No, you no. just like trial by fire there, right? Yeah. And so it's like you get down into it and then you're like, well, this is not only just cool stuff um, that, you know, I don't necessarily have to, you know, have a badge and a gun to do mm-hmm. but i could still be useful and still be counted upon and still be accountable for my own actions and make the company that i'm working for look good on top of that because of the fact that it came through ubc football mm-hmm. and i was still you know a freshling didn't i redshirted so i was like you know <laughs> whatever i was i was still trying to like you know raise the flag i was like yeah i'm I'm UBC football, right? Yeah. So I was I was still trying to make my lumps there. And this was just another avenue that just allowed me to prove my value. Yep. Um, you know, even if it was off the field, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was able to see some crazy stuff happen. Like somebody came in with bear mace around uh, <laughs> at the village after one of the oh, shifts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like another person came in with a pocket knife and then yeah, I mean, there's all these little things that were happening. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I was I was able to be there to... If I wasn't there, it might have been a different situation. You know what I mean? And so that, that just reaffirmed the fact that I was in the best position possible. Yeah. You know? So you have, you, you've had an opportunity before getting started in your own project, per se, to learn a lot just from observing and, like, and mm-hmm. doing, like, the work, yeah. the reports, etc., um, so there's there's a knowledge that okay I need a system at some point but what yeah. when did that like switch for you like I know for example you went up uh, north to work and <laughs> like probably like a lot of us pay off debt all kinds of things like 100%. also like you know put money t- towards starting your own thing now mm-hmm. and I know there's there's a transition there where uh, you're working for people and then you know you want to branch out on yourself like what kind of like um what was that spark and like was there like financials related to that like um what was kind of the start of what is cornerstone now um well i I guess the start of cornerstone would have been hmm that's yeah so basically it it kind of started i would say it started in when i went up north Mm -hmm. up north was was hell it was terrible but um you know i got through it and, and and that sort of thing and it, it gave me the idea that, you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm not here to just bullshit and hang around. You know what I mean? I'm here for a reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, having it, it gave me a plan to work towards. And then it gave me an idea of, okay, what, what am I going to do after this? Like, I'm going to do something after this. But I don't know what I'm going to do, right? But I do want to go into security. So I finished that. I went back in and I started doing strike breaking. 
right? Like mm-hmm. picketing and like you know those uh those a strike that was going on with you know with a few uh, railway companies and that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. they it was pretty unsafe, right? So I was doing emergency response for that, and then from there, um, I I guess I would have to say I just had some really awesome bosses. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like you know even before that point. Um, <laughs> Before that point, I had a boss that was, um, you know, his name is Barry. He would, uh, he would basically bring me on to assignments just because, you know, he wanted to bring me into the industry of, like, close protection. Yeah. So, you know, he, he would work with my brother a lot. I was going to ask what you meant by, like, just for clarification, for um, assignments, you're talking about private security now. Yeah. Like... Yeah, private clients, yeah. Yeah. GMCs with the windows tinted. Yeah, man. Yeah, like the yeah. the the, the B four uh, armored plates and stuff like that on them. So cool. Yeah, man. So like from from that kind of stuff, um, you know, I was I guess I was still playing. I was it was the summer, um, actually the summer before we moved in together, mm. and um, I ended up um, I ended up getting on a, on assignment, um, you know, doing some site liaison work for a Taylor Swift concert mm. and so she, they basically you know brought me on and told me this is protection this is what you do this is what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and I was hooked yeah right because now they, you're they, seeing game plan yeah and like strategy. strategy yeah the strategy is what got me you know what I mean because I love the X's and O's of of, of sport or like you know collegiate sport because there's a strategy and there's an end goal and there's we don't have to win all the time. We just have to win when it counts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? More but than we lose. Too. More than we lose. Exactly. So, you know, the the strategy and security kind of work the same way. And so when I was there and I'm like, yo, th- these guys are bringing me in and they're, they're, there's a round table. I still have this picture. There was about 12 of us sitting around a round table and they're going through the table, just listing each of their credentials and their, their pedigrees and that sort of thing. And I just said, yeah, I'm just I'm justice will say UBC football, man. Like, yeah. you know. What's up? I think on my feet. <laughs> you know, I, I I have some good ideas. I think on my feet and I'm I'm happy to help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody batted an eye, they didn't belittle me and all this kind of stuff. They just included me and they said, Cool, you're now Team Zulu. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, boom. And so we're walking, we're doing the thing, and you know, there was an incident that, that happened on the day of, and they were like, Well, you know. The, the principal doesn't want to be photographed while while she's doing sound check, mm. right? And nobody had a, pro- a process or a procedure against, um, you know, against taking photos of the protectee mm. when they're doing a sound check. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, you know, the, the teams are kind of going back and forth and they're like, okay, well, what, what should we do? And I just said, can't we just take their phones? <laughs> yeah. And then they looked at me for a second. They're like, let's just take their phones. Yeah. And so they put it in practice. We bagged and tagged their phones, like all the vendors yeah. and stuff that were in the in the vicinity. And the client was happy. You know what I mean? So it's That's like, like going up to Drake's apartment after a concert. Yeah, yeah. right? It's like... Phones in the bag. Phones in the bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo. So you know, we bagged and tagged the phones and we got it all done. And everything was good. And it worked out. So, yeah. you know, that, that allowed me to, you know, start thinking of a few things. Like, well... One, we should have processes for a lot of different things. And two, if we, you know, we should be open-minded enough to know how to improvise and adapt 
when it's not the perfect situation. Because mm -hmm. another principle I know is that no plan survives first contact. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to have a backup plan. You know what I mean? And so I guess in 2012, that would be where I just started thinking about um, the more strategy or the professionalism of of that industry as is more of more than just a guy in a suit or a guy that looks a certain way mm -hmm. just doing the job you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. um it's yeah it seems like a big part of like the value prop is like a, the process right Absolutely. what separates you from a different security company yes everybody can wear the vests and deck themselves out in in, a, in an aesthetic stand in front of a door yeah but like what kind of value bringing to the business be, besides like you know this rent a cop that will call the cops <laughs> if something pops off right? yeah and that comes with like the training and like the certifications that you've done can you speak a little bit on like um yeah like what would separate you and like what kinds of things are what kind of operations you guys are having currently absolutely yeah. so um Generally speaking, we, um, in this industry, it's, it's a very self-guided industry. Um, there's no real credential in Canada uh, for executive protection services and that sort of thing. Yeah. In British Columbia, we're, we're limited to our basic security license um, that we get, which is a 40-hour course. And it's run by the JIBC and mm -hmm. security divisions monitors it. So it's a very, very rudimentary, like base level um, entry point right yeah. some people would call that like almost like a boys club that's because because it's like it's who you know and the experience that you have mm -hmm. but like it, it's not the right word to use because like there's a negative association with a boys club yeah. what it means is that like the best people get the most work exactly right? and that's and that's i've you know sometimes I, I do feel that that's how it should be yeah in the sense that like the best people should get the work because we're not talking about you know you know, we're, we're talking about lives. We're talking yeah. about safety, public safety, and um, private safety of, of principles that potentially have the, the influence to change the trajectory of the world and how we do things, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, this, this boys club, maybe there's not may, maybe so much of a boys club um, as there should be. Because the barrier of entry is pretty wide open, right? Mm -hmm. um, at the same at the same time, it was like, <laughs> you know, the the training that um, I had to get, like at the you know at the time when I really realized that I knew absolutely squat, um, I was basically just coming off of um, doing some strike breaking, and then uh, had my second or third uh, like close protection assignment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and one was like a pretty serious one. And from there I was like, okay, well, you know, in terms of processes and that sort of thing, is, is there any schools that I can go to? Yeah. Is there any, like, um, is there any schools or programs I can take? How long are they? Like, how difficult are they? Like, what's the barrier of entry? How much does it cost? Mm -hmm. Um, and if you know security industry, it's not a big high paying industry. It's a very, it's, you know, minimum wage, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, that flips on its head when you get to the elite or to the close protection side of things, mm -hmm. right? Because then it's just a matter of... Um, Dealing with high-profile clients high profile with their clients, lives exactly. and their money and, and then And what that might look like or might be worth to them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I started looking at, at, um, at things a little bit more sensibly like that, at this time, I was working for... Um, uh, cargo screening for a major airline mm -hmm. and so this major airline 
Um, they had me doing um, <laughs> checking for explosives and explosive de check detection. And, you know, I'm, so I'm learning how to read the, the charts and how to use the machines and that sort of thing, how to cool. fill out manifests and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, you know, I'm still working at the bar. Like, I'm still working at the plane. I'm still, it was the, the heydays, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was great. I get a call for um, a long-term assignment working, looking after a high net worth family. Hmm. And I'm, to this day, I'm still honored that I got the call. Well, I was just like, man, I got the call. I got put into an interview. Mm -hmm. I They accepted the interview. They liked it. And I was on to work the next week. Yeah. Right? Quit my jobs. Um, at that time, I was going to be, you know, I, I knew that I needed to get some kind of process together because, you know, they don't teach you this stuff on the private side. So the only way to get this process is to either go military or to go law enforcement, right? Mm. And so I chose law enforcement route. So I was going to go CBSA. I was in the process, and I was going through it. And so I was like, okay, like this is how I'm going to make my 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 bones. Yeah. And then I'm going to use that to transition into the private side again, right? Mm. All that you know, God didn't really have that in the cards for me there, so He just jumped me into the private side, looking after a high net worth family. Yeah. And from there, like four years into it, I was, I was, you know, that was the stint of a four year assignment. Mm. But, um, you know, at that point in time, I was like, okay, I don't know enough about anything. So I, I was just Googling schools. I was Googling courses I could take. Yeah. Anything I could take that was like a 40 hour, 50 hour, 60 hour, 80 hour close protection entry level course. Yeah. Um, I found absorbing one, that knowledge. just absorbing it, man. And I paid like, I must have paid for two or three mm -hmm. of them um, in that year. Mm -hmm. I paid for one out of um, New West, Maluko. Um, still love Zoran, man. He's awesome. Um, just hard-nosed Eastern European, and he just has a good system of how he, he breaks down uh, the industry and what mm -hmm. we do. Um, and I took that. And I wore like an armor. I was like, yeah, I knew, I know what my role is. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what kind of risks might affect me. Mm -hmm. And I know where to go, go from there, right? Can you, can you elaborate on like that process a little bit? Like not with speaking to a specific client, but say like I'm a high profile guy. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I want to hire you. I'm interviewing you. Like what are you going to bring me? And like what? what's kind of the process you go through in breaking down this guy's needs and how to operate along those? Yeah, so we, you know, everything starts with a threat and risk assessment, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we start with a profile on the client or the, the protectee because the protectees are all different because they, they always have different risks that, they, they, that affect them and, they're, and why they might be coming to us. Yeah. Um, some protectees, they might have... Um, they might be VIPs, let's say. They might be celebrities or that sort of thing. So then their risks are easy to see. They might have stalkers. They might have cyber uh, threats against them. Mm -hmm. They might have extortion. They might have people just trying to, to, you know, old friends and family that they can't say no to and they need somebody else with a little bit more of a, you know, less, less of a, a relationship with their people to yeah. say, hey, we're not doing that, right? Um, it could be a VIP, like a corporate VIP, who might have like a, a corporate threat against their organization, against their family, against um, you know somebody that's close to them. 
It could be a, um, it could very well be like a high net worth family or somebody like that that just has some kind of um, threat against them. So, and yeah. sometimes it's it's a threat against themselves. Like they can't stop themselves because um, they might have a mental health ability, like um, mm -hmm. a mental health or or just like to party. Yeah, or just like to party. Yeah. Public perception. That's another Public major perception. thing that 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 people call us for, right? Like yeah. If they can't. Um, you know, imagine the, the, the celebrity that gets caught, you know, doing blow off of somebody <laughs> and he's, he's the family man in the, in the media. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, it's not a good look for him. You yeah. know what I mean? So those are kind of things that we either, um, educate them on because these are security risks that they don't seem like security risks, but yeah. they will be security risks really quickly. Um, when they start affecting the money and they start affecting their, their relationships. Right. And so we do a threat profile on them just to see what kind of threats they're aware of and what kind of threats they're not aware of. Yeah. And then we then break it down into the next level where it's like, okay, well, what do they have to lose? Like what are their assets like? What are their, um, you know, what kind of assets are they presenting to the world? Are they the guys that rent Lamborghinis and rent all the jewelry and all that kind of stuff and then shoot all these music videos? So now every time that they go to the grocery store, somebody thinks that they're walking around with a, a merse full of hundreds or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what's, what's being presented out there. Right. Yeah. And then we look at their, their tolerance level, like their comfort level. Have they ever, have they even ever thought of working with security before? Have they ever had this kind of stuff happen? Um, if something were to happen, um, what would you want us to be, do, to be doing with it? Right. Mm -hmm. um, this all matters just because of, you know, we're, our job is not to, sit there and tell you as a celebrity you can't go to that party because you're not allowed to go to that party we're not your babysitters mm. we we are your your help you know what i mean so like if you need to go to that party because it's good for your image or it's good for your 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 reputation and that sort of thing we're here to make you right create a plan for it you know what i mean yeah i think of it as like how i think about cp or executive protection is is like it's like a two for one you know what I mean? Or, or a twist play. You know what I mean? A, a, in a twist play, you got you got uh, the end crashing in mm -hmm. and the tackle crashing out. Yeah, so multiple variables. Multiple variables, but whatever variable is chosen, the guard or the tackle is always wrong. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guard or the tackle in that case is the bad guy, right? But he And he's always wrong. He's going he's gonna to latch onto that end that's crashing in because mm -hmm. in his eyes, he thinks that's the most dangerous part. But he's wrong because the tackle's coming out and he's just as fast as the end and he's gonna he's gonna clean up things there. I hear that. Or he's gonna crash at the end because end's a big body or the, the, the tackle's a big body, so he's gonna crash out. But then guess what? That end is gonna crash right in and clean yeah, up the so. quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it's always you wanna do a two for one because it's like the, the, the customer is always right and the and the and the threat's always wrong. You know what I mean? Mm. But at the same time it's like, you know, there, you, you hear about all the case studies about um, people hiring security and then, you know, like, you know, you, you hear about it in the, in the hip-hop space and stuff a lot. They'll hire security and they'll put them in dangerous situations or they'll, they'll say, oh, um, you know, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be speaking all that gang crazy shit. Crazy shit, yeah. And, Talking crazy. And then saying, oh, but I got my security here. And we're not martyrs, you know yeah. what I mean? So this is why we do the threat assessment because... You know, if, if you're a risk and you're bringing the, the threat to you, 
we don't we don't there's not much we can do to to fix that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but if it's something that hey you're you're trying to get out of that situation but it just you know some people are just unfortunately because of their industry their profession that sort of thing it follows them yeah then we're we're there to help you navigate around it and get a, get into a positive place, you know what I mean. And so, yeah. you know, and like I said, the protection space is huge and it's large. Um, a lot of places or a lot of people, we we try and stick to the noble side of things and you know keep everything with corporate and keep everything with um, with you know protectees that are on the positive side of stuff. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there there are protectors that don't have that much uh you know they have a different ethos yeah and so they might help uh the the other guys trying to you know get get one over on people or you yeah. know try and help engage in in, in kind of underground activity and that kind of stuff like that right so yeah that's kind of like a you know we're, we tend to be in the gray area that way but because we're in the gray area that way we we you know the good guys tend to stop document look for risks and look for ways to make sure that everybody goes home because at the end of the day what we do is not about engaging it's about disengaging in the yeah. most efficient way possible yeah proactiveness proactiveness yeah, yeah. it's a, it's yeah it's really interesting to think about it like that because i've never really thought about security in that context of like the initial threats and needs assessment and every case is so different so different you know if you have a high profile guy that's like proactively in the your vip type that likes the attention well like the threats are very easy to identify but Absolutely. there's so many more of them yeah right and then the, the, the super high profile client you don't really know where that threat's coming from it could come from like anywhere in the world like right? some a lot of those ones are cyber threats you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and so like they might they might just be you you're now tracing down an email address that's on a vpn uh you know that has like mm-hmm. you know that's being broadcasted from some other country and then it's like well how do you protect your principal from that kind of stuff right like you need to have a lot of different information or access to you know what what we now call open source intelligence and that sort of stuff right so you can actually help um, mitigate the risks before they become actual risks at your doorstep yeah you know so understanding a little bit of like the executive protection side of things now when you're talking about like commercial clients or like bars mm-hmm. um like shoppers drug mart storefronts that type of thing mm-hmm. um there's a lot of hustle involved in terms of getting those contracts right there is and and obviously like the process that you speak of or like the method the threats and needs assessment completely different uh, could you different. elaborate on like yeah like the entrepreneurial side of hey like how do I get that first contract or that next contract? And then also, okay, what kind of assessment needs to go on briefly, like when that happens? A hundred percent. So what I did, um, what I had to do was, um, I loved the, the close protection industry. I loved the design of it. I loved going through that assessment process with my clients. But the reality of it was that some clients didn't really care about that kind of thing because it, you know, if if Joe Blow is is the guy that's that's calling me for protection services, you know, I'll I'll draft up a plan for Joe Blow's protection. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, 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 and his protection detail. Yeah. But if Joe Blow's company is now you know something that you know needs to be looked at as protection, let's let's say Joe Blow is a, a shoppers drug mart owner. Yeah. Right. Now we have to look at the risks that 
you know, affect his shopper's drug mark. And so, you know, working with that kind of company, um, loss prevention is a number one issue for them. <laughs> right? I mean, like yeah. they have they have fragrances and they have small little products, small easy products, to easy to conceal. They have prescriptions that are you know over the counter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That people tend to just like they tend to come in and steal them, right? So making a protection plan for those kind of clients um you know and that's broken into the retail industry and then you mentioned as well the nightclubs and that sort of thing those those i classify into different categories of security industries right Mm -hmm. so with the retail industry you know i i just look at what their their number one uh threats are and then plan around it plan a plan of attack around it yeah and then it comes down to you know and it always comes down to the budget in security right Mm -hmm. can they afford it because even if i have a loss protection protocol and i have you know (laughs) investigators and all these other people on our payroll it doesn't really say that the client can actually afford to pay for these kind of people yeah and the reality of it is if they can't afford to pay for these kind of people i can't provide it because you know i my my time my my people's time their effort their their effort to get their skill set to be able to do what they do as fast as they can do it mm-hmm. costs something. Does that mean that uh, a lot of the time if, if they can't afford that, like, you know, they don't have the capacity to support, like, what you need to get the process done the right way, that you'll say no to the job? From time to time, yeah. I, I have to refuse jobs just because, because you yeah. know, they're, they're trying to give me a shoestring budget, but they want the entire, the entire, you know, the entire full service F1 uh, which, F1 package which could affect your reputation right like Absolutely. if you go half in with like Absolutely. the product or the resources you need and then something pops off well justice security team didn't do it right and then and, and then we get called from our insurance company saying well you agreed to this on this dotted line on this date and this is what you said you were going to do for them but you're only able to do this much so now you're on the hook for that you're culpable for that yep. and so you know we live in a really litigious society and everybody has a lawyer or wants to lawyer up or now that kind of, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I work under the, the constraints of I do great work mm-hmm. if I'm given an opportunity, if I'm given a budget, and if I know and understand if we're transparent with each other and we can understand what your threats and risks are. Mm-hmm. I can build you a solid plan that would allow you to have the freedom that you want to have in your day-to-day life or in your business's day-to-day life, but it, it comes at a cost, mm-hmm. right? Now, we're not the most expensive people on the block, but we are not the cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> but we do the best work, you know what I mean? And so, you know, fast forward. Do not call me for the best price. Don't you seen call that? me for the best price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't call me for the best price. I'm not that guy, yeah. right? But I will, I will give you my assessment, my recommendation on what you should go from, right? Yeah. Um, there's been lots of clients that have called me um, on the 11th hour saying, hey, can we get security? And I say, okay, it's going to be this price. And they say, well, last time I was paying this much, so why are you guys mm-hmm. charging me this? I'm like, well... It's 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, I mean, first off, you're calling me and you want me to start in about five hours. So there's one problem. The second problem is if... if if you're not happy with the price, go to the last guys because there's probably a reason why you're not calling those guys again. Yeah. 
right? Security costs what it costs, and it, and it takes what it takes yeah. to do the job. And a lot of people, and unfortunately, I mean, it's it's a product of where we're at and, you know, the, the times we live in. A lot of people think they can do the work effectively and stuff, but they skip steps just to make the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Now, they try and make the paycheck because there's not a whole lot of money in the industry because it's it's everybody's biting at each other's ankles mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to working together, right? Now, I've, I've been super blessed because... You know, in, in the journey of, of learning and looking at all this stuff, I've been able to keep in touch with my mentors and work with a group of people out in Alberta, Spec VIP, um, work with people across the world, go to all these cool conferences that, that shoot out in Vegas, the close protection conferences, and basically work and network with some of the most awesome people in the industry that they have to offer. Mm-hmm. And through that, I was able to um, do, continue the development like going from that one course i took in new west to going to edmonton to take a spec vip uh site liaison course which is a a term of a title of or a level of security in the event side of security which if we're getting technical security can be dynamic or it could be static static security you're thinking banks dynamic security you're thinking of festivals Right. Mm, yeah. So those kind of you know dynamic situations are changing by the minute. Yeah. That's where that like deep game plan and strategy yeah. comes in is that part. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's a group out there, Justin Hansen. He he runs it, um, Spec VIP, and he teaches site liaison security. And I I took the course just to audit it and see if I can bring something back of value to my guys. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by the kind of the structure that they had the. The level of intellect that goes into the course, mm-hmm. and I just I just jumped on board. He has an entire community there, and you know he was able to welcome me into the community. So, you know, um, fast forward from there, going to Vegas, um, the IPSB uh, security conferences, um, you know, meeting guys like you know like Elijah Shaw with Icon Global. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks after some of the world's most powerful celebrities and icons. Like who? can't say but 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 there are some people that you and i both have listened to on a lot of different occasions and um you know we're seeing on film and you know he's it's an interesting part when he talks about when you talk about marketing and branding right yeah like i know you've worked with clients too but you're not gonna tell me who you've worked with i can't so like you know Obviously, there's there's parts of your job where you're dealing with high profile clients, nice whips, yeah. beautiful cars. You can't promote any of that. No, and you that's that's promote, the other thing. Promote the quality in the process. That's it. You got to right. promote the quality in the process because at the end of the day, no if, referrals even. Like uh, maybe word of mouth referrals. That's it. Right? Yeah, because we we no testimonials. The testimonials and stuff are only on like how will you do our testimonials? I'll ask. And I'll ask them to write something on their own time. If they get to it, they get to it. If they don't, they just don't. Yeah. But the main thing is the, the word of mouth or the referrals I get through the organic uh, discussion of, of elite people speaking to each other. Yeah. Um, it's a very tight group. And they, they don't just let everybody in the door. Yeah. And so, you know. It's a sweet spot. Right? It's a sweet spot. Right. Yeah. There, right. So it allows me to be able to, to do my best work. Without you know, without flexing on anybody, or without trying to, you know, show off the client's car that I'm driving here, because mm-hmm. it's it's not my car. I didn't I didn't suffer for that. <laughs> I suffered to be in that space. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't suffer for that 
ride or I didn't, you know, give up anything to to drive that ride. You know what I'm saying? It's I'm just sure on that, my car. I'm sure there's so many people that have that celebrity and that's the one thing they want to get rid of them. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the one thing they want to get rid of is like people knowing who they are all the time. So you're in a space where you're constantly growing. You're working at, with the highest profile of people, but people don't really know. Yeah. And so, like, so I love it because awesome. I'm, I'm like a shadow person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like, uh, or you know, you, you get to be, you get to just develop and, and support mm-hmm. and work from behind the scenes. Right. I'm never, I'm, I've always grown up as a shy guy. So I've never really wanted to be in the front of, of everything like that, right? So this is like my sweet spot because I allow, it allows me to support the biggest icons and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and actually just remain my humility, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like maintain it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few questions like kind of in closing. It um, The first being like... In terms of your operations right now, like you mentioned, you have like like import export sort of like transport mm-hmm. side of things. You have like a private security side of things. You have a commercial security. Is there anything else like in that space, or, or do you have like goals for innovation that way? Yeah, yeah. so I have a few um, larger goals for innovation. Um, like I said, we want to. We're an enterprise security service, right? So we're full. We're full service, in the sense that we want to deal with your physical security assets. We want to deal with your your protectees and your CEOs and that sort of thing. We also want to deal with your brick and mortar um, establishments. Um, we want to do do open source intelligence and and look into places that you know might have threats circulating around that might attack you later on. Mm. Um, then we also want to do the investigative work, the private investigations of things. We want to be able to um, go into the logistics planning. Let's say you're you're coming in from California, you've never been to my city before, but you want to A, have a good time, B, make all your places on schedule, mm-hmm. and C, you might have a show or a podcast to do, yeah. right? So. You know, we want to make sure you get there, arrive there, and have all of your your cool. contacts and stuff taken care of. So many so, things to think about there. Yeah. yeah. So that all you got to do is not even grab your bag. You mm-hmm. just got to get off the plane, get into your ride, and then flow through your day. And then do that same thing in reverse so you get back to your family so that everything is all good. That's awesome. And so we just try and make all that really buttoned up and tight. So that you have a, a process, or we have a process for you, so that you don't have to take all that time. Because really, we're working with the you know with leaders of the free world here, mm-hmm. and the amount of time that they spend trying to plan their day and that kind of thing, they could be spending on their businesses and doing what they love to do. So that you know, and this allows me to do what I love to do, which is plan for them, so yeah. that they can just be them. And express their 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 highest value to their shareholders, their families, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it allows it allows me to look at their their situations in in a in a empathetic view, but it also, as a businessman, allows me to put other security minded people in the right position with the right clientele. Yeah. Um, if I know other athletes that are getting into this space. I'll put them with our celebrity uh, athletes that we take care of, mm-hmm. or if I know that there's other people in the in the space for, um, I don't know, our property development um, clients and stuff like that, then 
you know, if I know that this is a, a financial minded person or somebody that has some quality assurance practices and yeah. and that sort of thing under the belt, then I'll put the I'll match them up with the client. So it's that, it's two birds with one stone, exactly. right? Like you get the interpersonal, but you also get um, like a mentorship component to it and, for your your employees. And oddly yeah. enough, you, you actually hit the word on the head, man. Interpersonal skills, man. Mm-hmm. So like my highest calling or my highest um, value that I'm able to offer is our interpersonal skills and our our basically our drive and our interpersonal skills in the favor of our clients. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If that's a nightclub. You're not just going to get a guy that's the security guy that doesn't have any personality, that's just letting in people just to let people in. No, you're going to get somebody that that understands the vibe of the space that you're trying to create, your demographic of client that you're trying to to bring in, right? And he's going to help you do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? It's not just a line item where it's just security and then you don't know why you're paying for it a year in, right? You're going to have somebody that's going to grow with your business, grow with your organization, and actually have positive and sometimes negative feedback to help you along your way, right? So I'm strictly in the in the vein of, of supporting awesome businesses be awesome, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's what I've, um, you know, I want to be able to create value-based security programs for all of my clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, objectively, I think a lot of people look at, um, you know, security as being like very physical. Um, mm-hmm. So like, w- what about just like that side of things, like in terms of like, um, you know, physical and mental preparation and conditioning, like what kinds of things are you encouraging yourself and your employees to do like in the gym in terms of like martial arts, anything like that? Fantastic, fantastic question. And then also how do they recover? Take care of your body. Take care of your body. You only get one, and um, you got to take care of it like like your life depends on it. Because in in our industry, your life does depend on it. Um, If you're if we're running because there's an active shooter, you know, uh, or a live assailant that's that's actually popped up, then how are you going to get your not only just yourself, but yourself, your protectee, and your protectee's um, entourage out? in a very very succinct efficient manner you're kind of you're kind of putting yourself before them like yeah. out of the nature of your job right? absolutely so the, it's it's, it's you in the nature of your job. yourself and them yeah. yeah so like you 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 know clients kind of look at us sometimes like we're we're superhuman but you know i bleed just like you bleed you know what i'm saying <laughs> you see me in, in in very vulnerable uh situations before yeah. in in our time together you know what i'm saying so it's like it looks like you just got shot right now. I, I just got yeah it looks like you just shot shot right now man i'm like hobbling around and shit so it's like you know clients look at us for for the answer like the, to be that answer that superhuman solution to their problems you know yeah. and so if if we can't deliver on that because we haven't taken the extra steps to to look after our own body or our own mental health or or our own well-being then you know are we really ready for that level of responsibility yeah because when shit hits the fan that's not the time to be like oh shoulda coulda woulda it's too late 
Yeah. So it's, it's not it's not like mandatory, but there's like a loose kind of expectation yeah. of hey, you it's show up to the job mandatory. out of shape, you're probably not gonna get another job. Just like ball. Right. It's not mandatory. There's no. I mean, like yeah, in in, in university they gave us a piece of paper. Right. But in the pros, they, you show up out of pros, shape, you get cut. You just get cut. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, this is the pros here. So it's like, yeah. if you show up and you're not prepared, we're gonna find somebody who who is. Mm-hmm. And the beauty thing, the beautiful thing about this industry, is that. Over over um, the pandemic, this industry is almost doubled in size. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like new protectors are coming out of the woodwork from all kind of diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. that are hungry, and there's a new crop of people that are that are wanting to get the education. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if if you don't want to do the work, it's okay. Somebody will. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it just means that you might not be happy with what you get left with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know the the good guys know real recognizes real, and the, the those ones that are, you know, in the gym, you know, four or five days a week, you know, studying case studies, shooting, case uh, studies. you know, yeah. they're, they're doing their their YouTube evaluations, they're doing their open source intelligence, they're looking at their mm-hmm. their ideal clients. And they're looking at threats that um, that might affect their clients. They're looking at ways that they can bring value to their circles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me, myself, from when I was 19, you know, my value is bringing, you know, being, as you said, the plug, so to speak, yeah. right? There's so many parallels between that and, like, like I just think of, like, my time playing pro ball. It's like you are, um, you, you know, out of the necessity of your job, you're you're in the gym and you're mm-hmm. taking great care of your body. But what separates you now is like that film study and yeah. like your ability to like recognize tendencies and like that's it. Analyze like who you're about to be up against. So that's it. Right. You gotta yeah. know your enemies. You gotta know right. your threats. You gotta know where they're coming from. Um, if you if you're surprised at all, then you just that means you just need to learn more mm-hmm. because every every um, incident that happens or every scenario that happens should have another. Um, a solution to it. Yeah. Um, one of the principles that that helped me really solidify that fact was when I started taking Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm. Right there's in in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, man. There's there's so many grips and 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 locks and all this kind of stuff, but there's always a way out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, and there's always a counter to it. Yeah. Right, and so. You know, learning that fact and learning that, hey, you know, how the body moves just to get out of this situation or how to, yeah, it might not be easy to get out of it, but there's a way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And just le- looking for that path of least resistance to get into that um, successful position for yourself, mm-hmm. that's what keeps your brain going and that's what keeps you, like, thinking, you know? Yeah. Because when the bullets start flying, you don't have time to think. You just got to move. Is that what you try to do the most when you're when you're like trying to practice or build your skills like BJJ like boxing? Yeah, yeah. I try and I try and do um, a lot more BJJ these mm-hmm. days. Um, I like to do. Uh, I used to like to do a lot more Muay Thai and stuff like that. Mm. I have I have a bad you know a bad knee. Yeah. So. I know. would hate to see you throw an elbow though. <laughs> yo, the elbows are dirty, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yo. The elbows are dirty for real, but like you know, and I, I like that fact. That that fact that you can, it's like eight points to to mess with. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you know, I might I might dabble back into it after after my knee uh, recovers and everything. Mm-hmm. And I might just get back into it. But Brazilian Jiu Jitsu teaches me a lot of things outside of just you know, rolling with another human being. 
Um, and then Muay Thai teaches you just just the raw explosiveness about it, right? Yeah. And then you already know what weightlifting does for us and mm-hmm. functional functional movement, which is another thing I got from you. Is mm-hmm. just you know taking care of your your joints, taking care of your movement capabilities, and and always trying to expand that um, the elasticity that that you're allowed, basically. Yep. You know so. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some more like kind of like closing questions. This is like a kind of a checkout question. Yeah, to everybody. If you could find, if I w- went to your place right now, what could I find at your place that I wouldn't find at others? What could you find at my place that you wouldn't find at others? Um, an assault bike in my living room. Okay. <laughs> For the business. An assault bike in my living room. That's good stuff. I need to get and, one of those. Um, and a laser sight. Uh, shooting range in my right. living room as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're just I, practicing I, shooting what kind of gun? Um, so right now the weapon system I'm practicing on is a Smith & Wesson MP 2.0. So that's just a, a 9mm gun, handgun. But I also... You can scarce it. And it's just laser, right? Like yeah, it's, it's not, just a laser. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not flashing anybody in anything. That not, not a real bullet. It's the same thing that you if you had a cat... They would they would love to just see it just yeah. chasing around the wall, right? But between so. you and the dog and the gun, like imagine trying to rob that place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's a it's it's a it's a bit of a fortress that I'm building in there. Yeah, you know what I mean? absolutely. I, I I come in, you know, you, you walk in the front door, the first thing you see might be a big old bookshelf. Yeah. And you know, okay, this 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 guy knows how to read, and he know he has a good selection of books. Yeah. And then you pan over to the left a little bit, and you might see. The assault bike, okay, he stays in shape. Yeah, yeah. I got my little my little Bowflex weights and stuff in the corner, and then you pan a little bit further to the left. Oh, firearms! This guy's about his business. <laughs> I'm out. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, yeah. And then you see the size 14s at the doorstep, and you're like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, <laughs> this is not the just, place for me. Let's just go home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. try again another day. That's funny. So, okay. Yeah, man. Um. The last one was like a movie. So if you could live inside of any movie, which one would it be and why? Oh, man. This is a tough one. Any movie? Mm-hmm. Any movie? If I could live inside of any movie, if I could live inside of any movie, damn, that's a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk about my favorite movie being fight club but i like i like i don't know if i would want to live in fight club that's fair but i would i like the idea of it being a couple scenes yeah i'd be in a couple scenes i might be one of the dudes in the back you know what i mean just you know just watching the watching the show happen Mm -hmm. but like um i just like how gritty and real it is and how you know how they're in fights like he says in the movie, like, you don't know about yourself until you get into a fight. Mm-hmm. So, like, when the bullets are flying, when when you're stripped bare, these guys are fighting freaking bare-chested and just freaking just getting the aggression out. Yeah. Um, that's when you see, like, they're most exposed. Like, they're, they're at their most vulnerable, mm-hmm. if you will. And then you can see what the, what, what the man's made of. Right? I like it. So, like it's it. like, yeah, man. I, I think Fight Club might be, might be the place I'd be at. Yeah. I don't know how it lasts, but <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, man. 
Um, the last one is just like a message to your younger self, like looking back at like whether it's elementary justice or high school justice, would you have anything to change? Would you change anything or do you have any messages for them? Just keep going. Like what would it be? Yeah, man. The message I would have been is just be curious, continue to be curious, mm-hmm. um, bring value. You know what I mean? Don't be scared to fail because I feel like failure has always been an underpinning um, fear of mine. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people have that fear of failure. But don't be fail, afraid to fail because even if you fail forward, mm-hmm. you can still get ahead. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't be afraid to fail. Try some new shit. Don't, don't be, you know, I know I, I, I made a lot of my bones looking at my older brother and having a good mentor. Mm-hmm. But um, don't be afraid to fail, man, because there's a lot of different ways to, to, to get by in, in life and a lot of different avenues that people aren't looking at. Yeah. And just because one person tells you that this is not how you do it, it doesn't mean that that's not how you do it. Right. It just means that that's not how they do it. And they don't. Or they, they couldn't do it. And they're imposing their limitations on you. Yep. Right. But if you're if you're a guy that comes out like like how we come out or, you know, you, you get blessed with height and wit and charisma and all this other kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you can use some avenues that they just didn't have at their disposal mm-hmm. and then 10 exit you know what i mean so yeah man hey man appreciate you always a Yo, pleasure always till the next always, time man yeah no doubt I think there's a lot of bars for people on here man any aspiring entrepreneurs people that are involved in security themselves or people mm-hmm. just like you know you know in a place not knowing like what their direction is just some just some words of wisdom and some great experience to pull from so. yeah man no, absolutely and you know if, if you if, if you are ever curious about it um you could check out our website mm-hmm. at uh, www.cornerstonesecurity.ca and yes. i do have a blog section on you know different tips and tricks and 101s on security industry cool. so if you ever you know if you, even if you want to have a house party and you don't know what kind of vendors to use or what to look for what kind of stuff to 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 have in your spot you got it broken down for yeah it. i got it broken down it's awesome. on the website it's on the blog spot so check it out that free value yeah man appreciate you man hell yeah sweet